Hello everyone and welcome to our Monday evening, or Tuesday evening I guess it is. <laughs> it's Tuesday the 27th of February of 2024. We're going to go into uh, Paul's second prayer for the church at Ephesus. In just a moment, we want to welcome our podcasters, Lift Him Higher Radio, Mike Springston, FFC uh, Podcast, um, YouTube, Mike Springston YouTube, FFC on YouTube is what I'm trying to get to, and our Family Fellowship Chapel regulars who come on our Facebook and study the Word of God with us. We're glad to have you all from wherever you all are. And uh, we're looking forward to sharing the Word of God today from Ephesians chapter 3. We're beginning around verse 14. Um, so I want to have a word of prayer and then we'll get started with the Word of God. Father, open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. And then uh, let us apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, now speak to us. May the Holy Spirit show us what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. As you do that, we'll receive it, and we'll release it directly to your people. We thank you for your direct instruction. It'll change me, change us, bring us in to more of the image of Jesus Christ. We give you glory in the lovely name of Jesus, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen. Verse, 30, verse 14 of Ephesians 3, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a statement Paul here is beginning verse 14 with. Because Paul identifies his connection that has taken him from the cross all the way into Jesus Christ who he is now identifying as being a part of the Godhead. With all of this in mind, Paul is saying, I now bow my knee to the Godhead that includes the Father and the Lord. I choose to identify with Jesus Christ as Lord. In this verse, Paul identifies a complete connection to all the works of Jesus Christ from the cross to the man in the Godhead, and that's significant. Because... Paul has taught us the step-by-step -step walk of Jesus Christ. Now, some people don't think that's enough. Some people don't think that, that, that following Jesus Christ in his journey is enough. That in order for us to get where we want to go in our life now, we have to do special things. Uh, we have to operate in special things that are absent from the walk of Jesus Christ. But, my friend, Paul does not see it that way. Hi, hi, Sharon, and hi, Larry. Paul doesn't see it that way. Paul says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is identifying his connection all the way into the Godhead. Paul teaches us about the Godhead in Colossians chapter 2. What was the avenue now that paved the path for him to know Jesus in this way? Well, of course, it was the revelation of the mystery of the dispensation that was given to Paul. It was coming to him by the revelation of grace. 
Then he says that concerning verse 14 and grace, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named together. The heavenly family is named after the lordship of Jesus Christ and after his engagement in the Godhead. Verse 16, Paul then begins to pray. Watch this. It's a beautiful prayer. He prays, hi Brenda, he prays for the riches of the glory uh, uh, that is in Christ Jesus. He says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory and that he would strengthen you with might in the inner man. Beautiful place to start prayer. Then he says that Christ, the victoriously anointed one, he's praying for him to dwell in their hearts by faith. He's praying for them to be rooted and grounded now in the love that is found from the foundation of the world in Jesus Christ. He's praying that they would be able to comprehend the depth of the love of Christ. What a prayer Paul is praying here. Then he says that love that is in Christ Jesus, that passes knowledge which was given to him by his relationship of love between him and the Father from the very foundation of the world. Now, if you've not listened to my study on the real meaning of John 3.16, the real meaning of for God so loved the world, you need to look into that because it defines and describes how God loved the sacrifice from the foundation of the world. And you just need to take a listen to that. It will open up some more understanding about this scripture. That the love that passed, that was given to him, that was brought, passes all knowledge, that was given to Christ from the foundation of the world, that we be filled now with all of the fullness of God. And this directs us to him as Paul saw him in verse 14, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who constitute two-thirds of the Godhead. This is a position of completeness where the believer has come into Christ as Paul put it in the last verse of Ephesians chapter 1 and Christ now becomes all in all to them. In other words, he's done everything he's ever going to do. Some people want him to do something more. My friend, there is nothing more for Christ to do in the plan of salvation than what he's already done. Well, explain that to me, Pastor. Well, he went to the cross, so there you were forgiven. He went to the tomb, so there your flesh could die and your spirit could be preserved. He went to the region of the damned where he... Walked in, went in, 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 in uh, the package that left the tomb, took the keys of death and hell, and the Holy Spirit overseeing this, according to Hebrews chapter 9. And he came out of hell and was resurrected from the dead, delivered from all of the bondage, from all of the sin nature, from all of the sin that was put upon him, God made him to be the righteousness of God. 
He who knew no sin was made to be the righteousness of God, was made to be sin so that you could be made the righteousness of God. So Paul has now brought us into all that Jesus has done on earth. But Jesus was not done there. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, or chapter 3, that we are to seek those things that are above. So Jesus Christ then went to be the high priest over his own sacrifice and sanctify you and me and call him brother. He went to become uh, anointed as Lord, given an exalted name that was above every name. Then he came back and deposited that name, produced that name among the brethren, as we see in Matthew 28, Mark 16. He then uh, ascended back into heaven and sent the Holy Ghost and reproduced the Holy Ghost in the earth. It's the complete package. Paul said it's all and all. It's all you ever need. What Jesus Christ has brought the family of God into is everything you'll ever need. Now, as Paul prays for them here at the end of, of uh, chapter 3, Paul prays that they will come into the riches of the glory of God. You're not going to get that on the earthy side, my friend. You're not going to get that if you stay earthy, and you're not going to get that if you seek a sign. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it if you keep thinking that something that Jesus did while he was here on earth may manifest into your life and become a sign that will uh, take you and deliver you and somebody's going to do something that's going to be a sign. Why? Because Jesus Christ has already done everything that needs to be done. Now, I know that Paul in chapter 4 is going to say there's going to be a ministry that's going to be given for the perfecting of the saints for healing. I understand that. I'm teaching the book, so I'm well aware of it. But I also know that in the works of Jesus Christ, there was healing, there was preservation, there was deliverance. The child of God became safe in the economy of God only when he followed Jesus seeking those things that were above and walked into the tabernacle where Jesus Christ became the high priest sanctified them by his blood. And in sanctifying them, my friend, listen, that's the first time that you became in a movement of grace that became eternal. Now, everybody wants to give us this at the cross. That wasn't the, the culmination of what Paul is preaching. That wasn't the culmination of what Paul says was all in all. That isn't even the culmination of what Paul teaches in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, of your ability to be saved. It is the place where you're forgiven. We want to hover around the cross, never understanding what Paul taught us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10, that righteousness, believing in the heart unto the, the, the uh, resurrection was the place where salvation occurred. Righteousness became our deliverance out of there and we crossed the bridge of grace led by truth as the righteousness of God and were brought into this high priest of which 
uh, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews said that we have, I believe it was Hebrews, or was it Peter, said that we were going to be brought into the holiness of God, be a holy, peculiar people, and be a priest. So here we are. We're coming into this place that Paul, we're not, he has not become all in all to us yet. But he has brought us into the economy of safety. Where once this grace was exposed in the safety of his work as high priest and the blood was sprinkled on our behalf, we were sanctified and we became safe in the economy of God. People are not going there. They're not operating as the elect of God. Follow my teaching on that and you'll see what I'm talking about. We're not operating in the election of God on the earthy side, brother. And the closer we live to darkness, the more you can be assured that you are not operating in the elect of God. Read what, what the Word of God declares. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. Uh, Paul's teaching in Colossians 3 where the elect of God comes in. No, we, we want to live uh, as a peripheral agent of Christianity. And we want to call ourselves Christians because we mentally assent to the fact that there is a God. Order to the fact that, yes, I believe in Jesus, and I believe he died. We want to consent to that, but we refuse to do what Paul said. Follow, be ye imitators of me, as I imitate Christ. So Paul is teaching the steps to go into the place where we can have him all in all. Now, most churches, most church people refuse to do that. They want to gain issue with anybody that teaches any work past the cross. Now, I wish that it was indigenous to me. In other words, I wish that this was all my idea. I, I wish that God had given me the revelation of grace. Uh -huh. He did not. God gave the revelation of grace to Paul. Paul gave the revelation of grace to us. Paul gave the revelation to us of being crucified with Christ. Paul gave the revelation to us of dying to the flesh. Paul gave the revelation to us of being risen with Christ. Paul gave to us the revelation of seeking those things which are above. Paul did that. Paul gives us the revelation of when we become the elect of God. Paul did that, friend. And we have absolutely turned our nose up at it and said, no, that's not the way we're going to receive it and believe it. And consequently, what we have done is we have diminished the Christian life down to where most people are living either at the cross, struggling with the defeat of the cross, because we're still struggling with sin, we're still living in the, the shroud of darkness. I watch churches, and I am appalled with how many churches are calling themselves worshiping God in a black auditorium, in a darkened setting, never understanding that Paul is going to talk to them about the fact that God will do nothing in darkness. He doesn't like it. That's not the way God operates. He is a God of light. But we are walking into dark 
organizations, dark churches promoting darkness against darkness against darkness, and we cannot figure out why our people are being attacked with spiritual warfare of which they don't understand, they do not know what to do, they are saying things that are absolutely unscriptural and untrue, or they are diminishing this to the perspective that they are trying to just step over it and go on. My friend, interaction of spiritual combat is a serious position. It is a serious thing when the spirit world is attacking you and even whenever some are possessed as they think. My friend, that's serious. Number one, it is closer to darkness than it is to light. Someone said, well, but wait a minute, Pastor, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, let me tell you a little bit of something, something. The spirit of darkness has infiltrated. That's why I'm teaching on Ephesians. Because I want everyone to know that the devil is sitting ready to attack your mind, Holy Ghost field or not. He is sitting ready to try to infiltrate and if you do not operate appropriately and effectively, my friend, the Holy Spirit who is in you is there is going to be a battle in your spirit that as such as you have never encountered because those two cannot remain in the same place. The Spirit of God cannot remain in the same vessel. You are made to be the vessel of God. You are made to pursue Jesus Christ. You are made to leave darkness. You are made to walk in the righteousness of God. You are not made to live anywhere near on or around darkness where the spiritual world is concerned. You are to be the overcomer, not the overcome. So here we stand, and Paul is telling us, you can live in the riches of God, you can be strengthened with might by the inner man, but you better guard your mind. You better not think more highly of yourself than you ought, and you better sacrifice yourself and you better bring yourself under subjection, and you better die daily, and you better make sure that your sin nature is covered, and that you are delivered, and you better be sure that there is no wolf in sheep's clothing that is trying to encompass you, attack you, and shroud you, and you better not give place to the devil, because even though Paul is teaching them and about to tell them about a power that is greater than anything they've ever known or ever seen, that is more abundant, in chapter 4, Paul warns them, do not give place to the devil. 
Even though in 320 he said in you is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. But at the same time, you can live closer to darkness than the power that God has placed in you. You. That's why I'm doing Ephesians. Because Ephesians is leading us He's told us about the greatness of God, the chosenness of people, the wonderful wisdom, revelation, and knowledge, the power that works in us, that rose Jesus from the dead. He's told us that we were quickened and made alive, saved by grace, glory to God. But he said, don't ever forget, there is still an old conversation. There's still an old nature. And if you don't watch out what you're doing, the devil will come in. There is still the possibility and the probability that you will be under attack unless you're willing to bring every thought, every vain imagination and lay it down and get away from every sin that doth so easily beset you. Nah, my friend. Paul is telling us that, that, that if we're not careful, we'll step over into a place where we give the devil place. Now, I've said this before. I'm going to do a podcast on this. Here's how it happens. It either happens by suggestion. Someone makes a suggestion about something, and they suggest that you're not feeling well. You're not looking well. They suggest that there is a possibility that there's something going on somewhere in somebody. And your mind begins to run off to that suggestion because suggestion builds pictures. That's why when you're riding down the road, my friend, you look up and you see a picture of an M with arches. And in your mind, that picture tells you there's a McDonald's there. If you see a picture of an ice cream cone with a white top, well, you know, there's and a red bottom, there's a Dairy Queen somewhere coming. Suggestive activities build a picture in your mind. As soon as that picture occurs, whatever that picture is, you have two options to retain it or to rebuke it. Only two options. You will retain that thought until that thought, like a seed, is reproduced in your mind. Or you will rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And one of those two is what you're going to do every time. If you retain the thought by the power of suggestion, you have just opened the door of your mind to the wiles of the devil. Well, brother, I didn't know. Well, of course you don't know. You don't know because either you don't listen, you don't read the word, you're not listening to the right kind of preaching. I want to tell you, there's all kind of preachers out there that are doing the God's about to, God's gonna, you're gonna get rich, bless God. Oh, I feel like I need to call a devil out of you. Yeah. Now what? I've got a devil in me. 
I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. Suggestive preaching. And then there is responsive preaching. Well, now I need you. You've got a need. And I need you to give some money. So what do you do? Well, yeah, I've got a need. Of course I've got a need. And money's just money. And if I can use money as planting a seed to gain a great harvest, well, bless God, let me give. I'll give. So there's the responsive ministry. Or there's the ministry, like most music, where you respond by jumping up and down and turning circles and all kinds of foolish stuff. Responsive ministry. That's what we're trying to do in our world today. Then there is the uh, social justice ministry. That ministry is telling you that if you're white, you're, you're not very much. If you're African American, you are the victim. And social justice says that we all should be equal. Absolutely equal. Well, when we look at Countries that are equal, they're all socialist and communist. So that message is coming out of our pulpit today, friend. Then there is the message of personal, positive thinking that develops a positive self-image. What have we done right there? We've gone into the He Gets Me ministry because now we humanize everything. We humanize Jesus. We humanize uh, the Word of God, we bring everything down to a humanistic level. If I think right, I can do it. I will do it. I am doing it. I see myself as whatever. You know who's doing that? Those weight loss folk. They're playing with you on that particular positive self-image level. We're seeing this everywhere. We just don't know how to identify it. We're seeing this everywhere. We just don't know how to identify it. So here we stand, friend. And we're standing in a position now where the Word of God is being denied. The Word of God is being denied. And because it's being denied, we're not hearing truth. We're not living truth. And the devil, the devil himself, is running rampant against our people. Running rampant against our people. Why is he running rampant? Because we're listening to the wrong messages. We're listening to it the wrong way. We're having charlatans. So Paul prays for you and says that you would have the riches of glory, the strength with might in the inner man. That Christ would be the victoriously anointed one that dwells in your hearts and you'd be rooted and grounded in faith and that you'd comprehend the love of Christ. That love, of course, is a love that passes knowledge. Then he says in verse 20, look at this. This is about where Paul has come and where the follower must go. We must go into him. We cannot remain attached to any of the old conversation. The old nature of the child 
who was willing to remain disobedient and live closer to darkness than he was to light. We must go to him. Why is that? Because in him is the operation that is described at the end of chapter 1, but throughout chapter 1. That operation working in you, my friend, has a dynamic outcome. What's working in, in us is an exceeding abundance. It's more than we can ask or think. It is according to the power that works in us that Paul described in the last four verses of Ephesians 1. And we're looking for something else. We're looking for an outward manifestation. We're doing exactly what Israel's doing. We're looking for a sign. Paul said if the church just understood the process of Jesus Christ as he journeyed to the cross and the importance of the destinations that followed the cross, the church would live in glory. They would live in rejoicing and they would live in constant power, constant presence, and constant purpose of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead bodily. There would be absolutely no place that would ever be given to the devil or any of his behaviors. Unfortunately, we're not following Paul's direction. We're following cunningly devised fables. We're following the slight of men, and we're following our own lust and adapting our belief system to accommodate these factors. If we were doing correctly by Paul's teaching, we would be functioning in the glory of his finished work in the church forever. Father, I pray that you'll bless your word, that you'll open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear what the word of God is saying to us. May it change us, God, into the people of God that can reflect the person of Jesus Christ. We ask it all in the lovely name of Jesus, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. God bless you, my Facebook friends. God bless you, my podcast friends. Find him as Jesus, and there you'll find him as the one who will give you the privilege to use his name. Find him as the man in the Godhead bodily. There you'll find him as the one who will show you great and mighty things that are to come. God bless you.